this is truly a joyful Advent. A joyful Advent as we anticipate the birth of Jesus. Jesus, who was fully divine and fully human, born a baby, grew up in a human family, grew up as a human man. So part of the human experience is being in families, right? And a feature of families is that every family has some unusual relatives, right? <laughs> every family has one or two outliers. Every family has a few characters, and if you don't know who they are, you know what they say? It might be you. <laughs> John the Baptist was Jesus' unusual relative. Just a few months older than Jesus, John was a cousin through Mary's family. John was the son of Mary's relative, Elizabeth. John was a prophet living in the wilderness, wearing rough clothing, eating locusts, proclaiming a message of repentance to the Jewish people. John is linked to Jesus, not just as a relative, but they were both prophetic voices entering the world together. You might remember the two perplexing and surprising pregnancies, Elizabeth in her old age, menopausal, conceived John. Mary, the virgin, unmarried, conceived Jesus. And you remember the story. Mary traveled to see Elizabeth, her relative, as Mary tried to absorb this astonishing news that she was going to have a baby, that she was pregnant with Jesus. And Elizabeth felt the quickening of John in her womb when Mary greeted her. And in response, Elizabeth was the first person to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Cousins, I imagine them womb to womb as Elizabeth and Mary embrace. And then over 30 years later, John and Jesus live into their prophetic calling. John is the messenger and Jesus the Messiah. In that world that John and Jesus were both born into, times were hard for the people of God. They are oppressed and downtrodden, and they've been alone without God's prophetic word for over 400 years. They've also strayed from God's command and God's good ways. John was called to proclaim God's truth. John was inspired by God to repeat the words of the prophet Isaiah. John's prophetic words are in all the gospel accounts, and this morning we're going to read them, the proclamation of John the Baptist from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Pray with me before we read our passage. Dear God, open our hearts to your message this morning, and through the Holy Spirit, guide my words and our actions so that we might embrace your ways for us this holy Advent season. In the name of Jesus, God with us, we pray. Amen. So listen to God's word for us. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Itheria and Traconius, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annaeus and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the regions around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book 
of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The prophets of Israel, they are the ones who call out the truth to God's people, reminding them of God's goodness and pointing out the ways that they deviate from God's plans. They weren't always popular. And John, he drew people to repentance as he preached on the outskirts of town near the river, baptizing them, immersing them in the river to, symbol, to symbolize their humble repentance. John quoted the prophet Isaiah, reminding people of obstacles in their path. The obstacles in their path are a spiritual metaphor for the challenges of God's people, smoothing mountains that need humbling and raising up valleys of despair. This seems like a tall order. It's a hard thing to resolve these obstacles. It was hard for the people that surrounded John and Jesus, and it's hard for us today. Preparing our hearts for the way of the Lord. It seems to me that there are two types of spiritual obstacles in our path. First, there are a set of spiritual obstacles created by our own sin, where we seek idols of shiny things, where sometimes we take a first step into sin or become separated from God. And it's hard to turn back. Sometimes we follow crooked ways of pride. We can take detours into a mountain of our own making, and it's hard to get down. Secondly, there are hard spiritual obstacles that are part of the human condition of being in a broken world, feeling down in a dark valley of despair. Sometimes we're hurt by others, and sometimes we're vulnerable to circumstances in the world. Sometimes we are sick, or sometimes we're heart sick, and we experience loss, and we grieve. Sometimes we're worried and fearful. We have a foreboding sense that the world is not right. You know, sometimes we have those fears and concerns that are maybe not in front of our mind during the day when we're distracted, but at night, at night, those concerns come to mind. We find ourselves in a valley of despair, and it's hard to find peace there. So these two types of spiritual obstacles, high places of sin, idolatry, pride, or the valley of despair. But friends, sometimes it's hard to separate them out. You know, sometimes when people are suffering, they strike out at others, or they have pain that they self-medicate. And you know it's hard to be gracious and generous instead of stingy when you have worries and fears. Or you make that small mistake without too much thought, and it sets off an avalanche, and you're stuck in the valley. So our paths can be complicated and rocky, and our road to God, it needs to be smoothed out. That's what Isaiah said. It needs to be smoothed out. We need to humble our haughty parts of our heart, and raise up the lowly and downtrodden parts. So where can we find help? John told these people, the people of God, to repent, to stop and turn around. 
because some paths are simply impassable. They're treacherous. They're risky. They collapse and they block you off from God. So I was thinking about treacherous roads, and I remembered a history of a local one that might be familiar to some of you if you're of a certain age, maybe, and if you grew up around here. The Devil's Slide stretch of Highway 1. Anyone remember that? Near, high, near Half Moon Bay, it was beautiful but treacherous. It was very appropriately named, and I remember being a young driver in 1980, driving my red VW Bug on a rainy day on this scary stretch of road, and I wasn't supposed to be driving there. My mother was afraid of me driving to the beach, so no Highway 1 or Highway 17 for me, but I was there anyway. <laughs> Rocks would tumble down onto this highway. There was a steep drop down to the Pacific Ocean, and there was like this mesh holding back the rocks, but it didn't really work. And over the years, this road would become impassable because either the road would wash away with erosion and water, or boulders would come tumbling down, and sometimes both would happen. And people would have to drive long detours for months while the road was being patched up. Not just people going to the beach, but people living along the coast. There were two things wrong with this road. First, it was engineered wrong. The foundation of the roadbed was just old timbers from an old railway trestle, an unstable and bad choice. And the other thing is that this point is a crumbling edge of a Teutonic plate. It's part of the San Andreas Fault. It was never going to be stable. So here's a diagram of where the road often would crumble, where the wreck slide would happen. And for 35 years, 35 years, there was a stalemate. Some wanted to move it inland. Some wanted to try to improve it. Every rainy season, it became a problem. There were ideas to reroute it, but environmental concerns and property owners, they didn't all like the same ideas. Then somebody had a radical, earth-moving approach, a tunnel. This is what was proposed, a tunnel. It was rejected as too radical, too costly, until the 1990s when the Devil's Slide finally overtook the road again, and people had enough. The old way wouldn't work any longer. It was past the point of just trying harder. A new way forward to create a tunnel through the rock was approved took 30-plus years from the initial idea to completion, but here's that tunnel. The devil's slide. No matter how hard people tried, they needed a new way. It's the same way with us people of God and God. Finally, enough was enough, and it was time to send the tunnel builder. Reminds me of the words of Malachi that Bill read for us this morning the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? Because the people of God can't stand on their own. We can't stand on our own. We're going to be sliding down that hill one day or another. If not today, then tomorrow. If it was let up to us, we would never be able to create God's smooth path for our lives on our own. God's covenant 
told through the prophets was, I will be your God and you will be my people. And a covenant is a promise. It's a binding contract made between two parties. In ancient times, a covenant was made and two parties would sacrifice an animal, cut it in half. To seal the covenant, the parties would walk between that sacrificial animal. The message was very clear. We're partners connected together, bound by this covenant. Let it be to me as it is to this animal if I were to break the covenant. May death consume me if I betray you and don't live up to my covenant. That's the message of the covenant path, the covenant walk. There are dire consequences to betrayal of your covenant partner. But here's the thing, the upside-down thing, the upside-down kingdom. Jesus took that covenant journey for us, paving a new path. For 30 years, Jesus, that baby born of stardust and earth, the new Adam, humbly born, he was preparing to pave the way because we couldn't do it. His odd cousin John, he was tasked with being the messenger to tell them Jesus was about to do a new earth-moving thing, a new way, a new covenant. Jesus came from heaven to Mary's womb. Jesus was born in a humble cave used to house animals. Here's the church of the nativity. This cave reminds me a bit of a tunnel, doesn't it? Jesus lived with humankind and loved us and died for us. And then Jesus was placed in a tomb, another cave. But Jesus rose from that tomb. He defeated death. He created a tunnel and a way forward for all of us. It was the grandest earth-moving project, greater than any earth-moving project we could imagine. At the Passover table, the meal that we're going to celebrate this morning, Jesus led his friends into remembering the faithfulness of God who redeems his people no matter what. Jesus moved heaven and earth to create the new covenant. He broke the bread, describing it as his body, the sacrifice. Then he served the cup and he said, drink from it. It's the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. This new covenant brings a smooth path for us, seals the road, seals the way home. So if you're dismayed when you look inside your own heart, if you regret choices that you make, Jesus brings you a smooth path home. If you feel like the cliff is eroding and you fear you're slipping, you're on a dangerous stretch, you're in a valley of despair, or you're filled with longing and regret far from home, Jesus has paved a way home. Jesus brought us through a holy detour because God desires to have his home with us. The whole of the Bible describes God's epic plan to bring us home safely from the treacherous stretches and the detours. For as the book of Revelation says, the home of God is with mortals. He will live with them and they will be his people. In Advent, we remember part one of the epic plan to create a new, new path home through the birth of Jesus. This new path for us, it doesn't look like crumbling cliffs falling into the ocean. It looks like frolicking in the surf with someone you love at sunset. Yes, this is me and my grandson Liam last week at the beach. Oh. 
Friends, remember the good news and be at peace. God sent Jesus to pave the way so that all flesh may see the salvation of God. Friends, let's celebrate this salvation at the table today. Amen.